Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the Marriage Today podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my wife, Karen. And we have a teaching that's coming up here in just a little bit on what to do when your spouse's behavior hurts you. Okay, big deal. How to righteously respond when your spouse's behavior hurts you. But Karen, we're going to begin with some questions uh, from our viewers. Mm -hmm. And this one's for you. It says, my spouse blames me for the problem in our marriage. The problem's in our marriage. I'm not saying I'm without fault, but there's... uh, but there's no accountability or ownership on his part. What can I do? <laughs> First of all, it's just classic Adam and Eve. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. said she did. Yeah, so uh, the blame thing's been around since the beginning yeah, of time. Sure. You know, I mean, sure. that's where it all began. You know, Eve sinned, and then she blamed the devil, and Adam blamed Eve. And yeah. so it's just been a recycling thing ever since. And yeah. one of the things that you and I learned in our marriage is, you know, we can't change each other, but we can change ourselves. And in, you know, working on my own behavior, I learned that, you know, how I treat you um, and and my part of it is just as important as what you do. And you always like to say the the person does the right thing first is the one that's, you know. And so I think it's just that, you know, it's two people in the same situation. And so it's just not even, I don't understand how you can't not take ownership of a problem in any marriage because it's two people. Well, let me go back to the beginning of our marriage, and that is I was the problem, and I blamed you for everything. Mm-hmm. I truly believed you were the problem, <laughs> and, and I didn't have any accountability. You know, you would complain to me, and I, you know, I didn't care. And I, we, we went to a Sunday school class um, that you got us in. I didn't want to go to Sunday school, but <laughs> you wanted us to go. So I went to, we went to a Sunday school class, and we had a big fight one morning, and I left for work. I was probably around 21, 22 years old, and uh, I left for work and I came home from work that day and I was ready for round two. I just thought, she's still mad, I'm I'm ready to go. And I walked in the door and you said, well, before you get comfortable, we're going out to eat with Carmen Leffel tonight. That was our <laughs> Sunday school teachers. And I said, what? So we went out to eat dinner that night. Well, what you didn't add to that is I'd already packed my bags and I was ready to leave. <laughs> well, I would have rather you left than you go out and eat with Carmen Ethel, probably. But, so we went out to eat that night with Carmen Ethel. And um, they're real nice people, you know. They were we were in their early twenty, early twenties. They're probably in their mid forties or something. And and the the dinner was um, about it was awkward in the beginning. And then Kerm turned to me in the dinner, and for about forty five minutes, basically said, "I used to be an idiot like you when I first got married," and blah blah blah. But what what it did was it established some accountability. Mm-hmm. I had no accountability. And what you did was you reached outside. Mm-hmm. of the marriage and you brought some people in and it was helpful mm-hmm. um, it was embarrassing to me but it was helpful and and the thing that was helpful to me also Karen was when Karen was saying I I was like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and blah 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 yeah and to see the the consequences of that so um, I think that counseling is the very best thing you can do when you get to this kind of a, a position where there is no accountability uh, she says ownership on his part 
Go outside, and even if your spouse won't get counseling, go get counseling for yourself. Mm-hmm. Improve yourself, and uh, it'll help your marriage. That's good. Okay. okay, marriage counseling is getting us nowhere. My husband isn't truthful about the things he's done and makes crazy accusations towards me. What should we do? Well, I would, I would find, I would go to counseling. I would just go to a different counseling, maybe take it to a different level. And let me just say this to everyone watching. We have marriage mediation here at Marriage Today in our ministry. You can go on xomarriage.com and you can see the marriage mediation there. And we have, but we have counselors here who help people uh, via Zoom or over the telephone all over the country, all over the world. And so you don't have to be physically in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex for us to be able to help you, but reach out to someone who can help you in your marriage. For example, if you stop counseling, what are your choices? You begin to fight amongst yourselves, it's just gonna get worse and worse. So get counseling, get help. If the people that you're talking to right now are not helping you find somebody there's some, some someone is not getting through to your husband mm-hmm. now, i'm not saying that's all their fault it could be your husband's fault for sure but just don't give up on counseling do everything you can to get help contact our ministry here and we would we would love to talk to you about uh, helping you in your marriage we well, you know the other thing apart uh, the, our counselors here they always had the couples um start with a 21 day inner healing mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a matter of taking ownership of your own problems, That's not right. the combined of the marriage. And so we you know we like, we like to encourage people to do the 21 day heal, inner that, healing. That's good, Karen. Well, a lot of times the counselors that we know of that do the intensives like we do, um, they what they're saying is we, we all come into marriage with our hurts. Mm-hmm. And rather than focusing on the complaints in the marriage, they go back to the hurts mm-hmm. that we bring mm-hmm. into the relationship. Mm-hmm. We have a resource called 21 Day Inner Healing Journey. Uh, this first of all on 21dayjourney.com it's also on xonow.com which is a monthly subscription service 21 day inner healing journey and total freedom journey and hundreds and hundreds of other resources are on xonow so if that's something that, that interests you we really do encourage you to do that and we're going to go to this teaching now on what to do when your spouse does something hurts you very important teaching uh, by the way if you haven't subscribed to our channel a marriage day channel do it on the Apple Network or Spotify Network. Also, leave us a comment. We love to read your comments. We're going to go to the teaching right now. But even in the best marriages, we still say things from time to time that hurt each other. We, we do things that you know we shouldn't do. So how are you going to respond? This is the question. When your spouse does something that hurts you and, and you don't like, how are you going to respond? Let me give you the first choice. Righteously responding to our spouse in an honest, loving, and timely manner. In other words, your spouse does something that, that you don't like and you walk up to him righteously and say, honey, can I talk to you for just a minute? I love you. I think you're great. We're on the same team. That bothered me when you said that. The second is receive the hurt and frustration and hide our true feelings. This is where passive aggressive behavior comes in. In other words, you hurt me, I'm going underground. I'm going to act like everything's okay, but I'm going to start you know, eating potato chips in bed. I know you don't like that. I'm going to start, you know, turning the TV up louder. I'm, a, I'm just going to do things that I know you don't want me to do, and I'm not going to do things I know you want me to do. And this is going to destroy our intimacy, destroy our passion, and now I'm being dishonest about how I feel because I'm, I'm going underground. Okay. Happens all the time where people do this. Number three, reject our spouse when they hurt or frustrate us. And this is just, again, it can be overt or covert, but listen to this. Hebrews 13.5 says this. God says this, this is covenant language. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. On day one of our relationship with God, he makes us two promises. He will never physically desert us and he will never turn his heart away from us. Leave means physical, forsake means emotional. So day one, and, and, and we're gonna do some things that Jesus doesn't like, anybody agree with that? We do every day. And so here's what God says day one of the relationship. You know something, I'm all in. I love you, I'm all in, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And here's what it means. There'll never be a moment in eternity where God is not focused on you emotionally. Let me say that another way. All bad things happen when you turn your heart away from your spouse. They're not meeting your needs. They're hurting you. They're saying things that you don't like. They're doing things that you don't like. And in response to that, you just reject them. You know, and again, it can be overt where you call them names, you're angry, you're sarcastic. You just overtly put on your green zip-up jumpsuit and go in the garage and build something for 30 years. <laughs> My neighbor, I used to have a neighbor did that every night. Put on his green zip-up jumpsuit and he, he hated his wife. And went in the garage and built something. So, what, what are you going to do? But understand this. All bad things in marriage happen the instant you turn your heart away. Now, you can be sitting right next to your spouse, but your heart's not there. You've turned it away. And that's, that is very common in marriage issues, especially when you're frustrated, especially you, where you get to that point of, why aren't you changing? Why aren't you doing, I'm trying here. You're not trying. And you get frustrated, you get angry, then the rejection comes. That's another choice that a lot of people make. The next is revenge to make them pay for what they've done and fear doing it again. And this is, I'm gonna get you back. I'm gonna make you suffer. And, and part of this is establishing a spirit of fear and dominance, where I'm gonna dominate the relationship and you'll either do what I say or you'll pay a high price. And that happens, again, in a lot of marriages, especially as the anger increases, okay? But here's, here's the fifth one, okay? Now, let me say something real quick. No one su su should subject themselves to abuse. When I'm saying suffering, I'm just saying all of us suffer in marriage. But there's a difference between suffering and abuse. Suffering is discomfort. Abuse is damage. Don't ever subject yourself to another person damaging you in a marriage relationship. You can, uh, we, we counsel people to do constructive separation. If you're in an abusive marriage, don't divorce. Go to a neutral place. Have your spouse go to another place. Uh, don't live together. And don't, don't go back into the relationship until they get real help and demonstrate that they've changed and that there's accountability in the relationship. So I'm not talking about enabling abuse. I want you to be sure about that. I'm just talking about living with an imperfect person in an imperfect world with a devil who hates us. We all live in that world and we're gonna all have to deal with this. Well, here's number five, uh, choice. And that is redeem our spouse through righteous, proactive behavior. You're doing the wrong thing. I, I was doing the wrong thing. Jesus came. I was hurting Jesus. I killed him, in fact. I was hurting Jesus, and his response was to die for me and to suffer for me while I was in my sins. And because of that, I've come back. And I haven't just come back. There's no one I love like I love Jesus. Okay. So that's my fifth choice, and that's the only choice that works. It's the only thing. The word redeem means to buy back or restore something to its created purpose. 
I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pay a price for you that either you cannot pay or will not pay. Jesus paid a price for us that we could not pay. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay a price for you. This is going to cost me something. It's going to cost me some pain. It's going to cost me some time. It's going to cost me something. But I'm willing to pay it to demonstrate my love for you. That's what it is. So we, we're going to become partners with God to do this. And here's the question. Am I going to be a redeemer or am I going to respond to my spouse's problems in a selfish and immature manner? This is the question. This is the question that, that will really answer the destiny of your marriage, the destiny of your care now. This is just the way that it is. Our answer to that question is, is everything. So here are five reasons for me to use redemptive behavior toward my spouse. So why should I do this? Number one, it's Christ-like and we owe a debt of gratitude to God. I should do it to you because Jesus did it for me. I shouldn't forget that a re, the, uh, uh, the redemptive love of Jesus got me where I am right now. And I need to give it away. The second thing is the only method of responding to our spouse's problems that creates a true solution. Threats don't create a solution. Rejection doesn't create a solution. Revenge doesn't create a solution. This is the only thing that truly solves the problem. It truly solves it. The other thing is it's the only behavior that God will bless and stops the vicious cycle of pain and rejection. This, this, is, the, this is the deal. You can only uh, defeat a spirit with the opposite spirit. If you fight fire with fire, you're going to get yourself a bigger fire. If you fight sin with sin, you're going to compound the damage that's happening in the relationship. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Why? Because you can only defeat a spirit with the opposite spirit. You can only defeat rejection with acceptance. Jesus died for us while we were in our sins. He didn't sin. He committed no sin. That's what 1 Peter 2 says. We, we can't sin. 99% of marriage counseling is me listening to a person who did the wrong thing, justifying it because of what their spouse did. I know I, I know I said that to her, but let me tell you what she said. I knew I threw the remote at him, but let me tell you what he did. You know, and this is what you're hearing in marriage counseling. It, you can't justify this. You're just building a bigger fire. You're fighting fire with fire. You're not going to put it out until someone does the right thing. And I love this saying, the best person does the right thing first. If you're the better spouse, you'll do the right thing first and you won't justify sin. Number two, you can't use your mouth to seek revenge or to try to produce results on your own except for righteous and loving speech. It says when he was being reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he, Jesus was on the cross, they were just lambasting him with all kinds of insults and, and mocking him and all that. Jesus could have opened his mouth and destroyed all of them. But he didn't respond in kind. And the, the Proverbs 18 says that the power, this Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And we, let, me, let me say, we live in a vulgar, smart, elky society, don't we? And you watch movies and TV and you just see our society. People are using their mouths to destroy people, literally to destroy people. And if we're going to be redeemers, it means this thing right here has got to change. And we cannot use this to hurt. We cannot use this to seek revenge or put another person down. In fact, when you're redeeming, you're speaking destiny into a person who's not acting like it right now. You know, literally, you're calling into existence that which is not as though it were. And that's what faith does, and that's what redemptive love does. Number three, you have to trust God for the results as you put your faith in him. See, marriage problems test your faith in God. They really do. Um, 
First Peter chapter two or First Peter three, it says, in the, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Men and women are equals. So it's talking about an attitude. Be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one, as they observe your without a word, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Um, and then it talks about a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. The promise in First Peter three is. A woman can win her husband without a word as he observes your respectful behavior. And then it says, a gentle and quiet spirit is precious in the sight of God. A gentle and quiet spirit is the spirit of a woman who has faith that God is powerful enough to change her husband. See, when I'm using redemptive behavior on Karen, the focus isn't Karen, the focus is God. I'm God's partner. And Karen's struggling or Karen's going through something or she did something I didn't like or she said something I didn't like. And my tendency, and maybe I said something to her and she didn't respond the way I wanted her to respond. And my tendency then is to get angry and to go underground or to reject her or turn my heart away and put on my green zip up jumpsuit or something like that. <laughs> what redemptive love says is, no, I'm going to fight for her. I'm not, I'm not turning my heart away. And I'm going to love her the way Jesus loved me when I was in my sins. And what I'm believing is, as I do that, She's going to come back around. It, just, it, it works every single time. Not maybe in two hours, but it'll, it'll work. And what happens is the relationship gets stronger and stronger. You, you, the, it just becomes a natural instinct that when something bad happens, you don't do the wrong thing, you do the right thing. And God honors that. You, you fall more in love than you've ever fallen before just simply because it works. And here's rule number four. You have to be willing to do the right thing for someone who's doing you wrong. You have to meet their needs when they're not meeting yours. And that's real hard for some people. You have to be willing to bless them while they're cursing you and pursue them while they're ignoring you. <laughs> it's kind of quiet in here right now. And that's what redemptive love does. You're not meeting my needs. What am I going to do? I'm going to meet your needs. You're being sarcastic, whatever. What am I going to do? I'm going to bless you. You're distracted. You're ignoring me. I'm going to pursue you. But the focus isn't you. The focus is my great God and how big he is to change your heart. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, Hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.